what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. August 23rd, 2019, episode number 93. We're getting up there. Who's number 93? What's a 93 that you know of? So the only 93 that I can really think of right now, Jess Roeder used to have it when I raced, but more recently, Danny Kelch had it for a while. He was a little bit older, and he had the 93 for a couple of years. And he's the most recent number 93 that I can think of. I know nobody with a 93. Well, you haven't been in the sport very long either, so it's okay. Guess what I did today? Uh, well, you got out of bed. Maybe. And you hit the record, and you hit the record button. I definitely did that. Um, did you quit your job? <laughs> no, that was a couple days ago. I, oh. uh, I booked my flight for Springfield. So you're going to come see me? Yeah, I mean, I'm not flying into Springfield because there's no airport there. There's an airport there. It's just easier and cheaper to fly into St. Louis. Mm. Yeah, so I'm going to fly into St. Louis. So I'm coming to Springfield. It's official. It is official. Yeah, buddy! So the whole off-the-groove squad will be in Springfield, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, the whole team. Yeah, every employee of off-the-groove will be on site there in Springfield for four days of flat track. Well, you better bring some stickers. Uh, I'm going to bring all the stickers. Stickers for yo ass. You see me in the pits, ask me for a sticker because I'll give you one. I got stickers. Okay, Carter's got stickers. You're going to be busy. I know it. Well, what, do you want, what, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I am my. It's the Ironman. It's the last national for uh, motocross. So you're gonna go play in the dirt again? Yeah, it's one more, one more. It's the final one. All right. We're running out of races on the Grand National Series, but this weekend is off, so I'm gonna go to Virginia to an AMA All Star National Flat Track Series, which is a Steve Nace race. So Look at you. Woodstock, Virginia. If I can find it. Nice. So we'll both be playing in some dirt. We got a lot to talk about this episode. Let's get into it. You ready? Let's do it. So let's get into the recap for Peoria TT. That in itself is a ton to unpack there. Well, it was amazing. I woke up. It was raining cats and dogs. I, I looked out the window. I saw a Dalmatian go by. <laughs> I saw a feline go by. I don't know yeah. what they call cats. I'm not a cat person, but yeah, cats and dogs. I was like, there is no way we're racing today. Got up, got dressed. We had an eight o'clock meeting, 830 meeting, got out there, had the meeting. We postponed it a little bit. And so we, we met again at 10. The guys from Caterpillar showed up. We had to wait till it stopped raining. And without any help from Mother Nature, like the sun never came out. It never got really, really windy either because you're down in a valley. But a Caterpillar went to work and they brought out some of their awesome equipment and they saved the day for the second year in a row. Yeah, I didn't. I saw some of the social media posts from riders and things in the morning with all the rain. I was like, there's no way there's going to be another rain out. Um, but they were able to pull it off. And apparently... From what I hear, by the time they got to the mains, the track was pretty nice, right? It was really nice. I mean, the, the only problem I saw from my point of view, there was some braking bumps before the jump because they went back to the old style jump, one big jump. And the, since the dirt was still kind of soft, a lot of people would charge up to the jump and then hit some brakes. So there were some braking bumps right before the jump. And I also heard after the right-hander, after the chicane into that last corner, there's a few bumps over there too. But that's when you're hard on the brakes. Going into turn number one was a huge blue groove, like uh, you would never know looking looking into turn number one that it had ever rained at all. Wow, that's impressive. And not just ended up turning out to be an amazing day weather-wise, 
the racing was pretty badass as well. Uh, and I don't know, man. I was I was one of those people that was kind of excited and hoping that that Henry was gonna hop on a bike and come out there uh, for one of those practices uh, and to to make time and qualify. Uh, but I'm actually glad it panned out the way it did. I mean, not just uh, in the swins class, but the singles class had some pretty epic racing as well. Absolutely. You know, Henry was trying to get out there, and I think the doctor and him just made a decision at the last minute not to get him out there. Uh, with that big incision right there, if he was sweating inside the incision or got dirt inside there, it could just prolong his comeback, so they elected not to race, uh, which opened up the door for a first-time winner. Somebody's never won in Peoria because Henry's won there so many years in a row. But I want to talk about the singles first because we had this kid on a while back before he went pro, and in his fifth start as a professional flat tracker, Dallas Daniels took the win. Uh, it's it, He didn't just win. He was fast all day, and the, in that main, I mean, the, nobody even came close. If you don't go and follow somebody, you can make some passes. Dallas Daniels was fifth, I believe, after the first lap, fourth or fifth. He, made, he passed two people in turn number one and worked his way up to the front. Dan Brownlee actually led the first two laps, and Dallas Daniels led the rest of the way. You can listen to us talk and ramble on about it, but let's hear let's hear what he had to say. We talked to him shortly after the win. Man, what a day. What a race. Tell us about it. Um, well, the day started out really well qualifying top three, third, which is was my best qualifying all year. The heat race, sitting on pole, I got terrible starts all day long, and I had to kind of fight my way from like sixth, seventh, and I was able to get up to third which was a front row start for the semi. And then the semi off the start, I actually got tangled up with my teammate, Ryan, Ryan Wills, and almost went down. So I had to kind of fight my way from the back as well. And I got up to second, and then I think Mikey Rush went down, and we had a red flag. And I was able to get a good jump and go around the outside of Ryan Sipes and then lead it for the rest of the race. And with the red flag, I was we had slow heat, so... I had second pick for the main and I knew I just needed to get a top three start and I had the speed and, uh, I got off about fourth, fifth, made some passes. And I think by lap three, I was leading and eventually pulled it out to a little over two second gap and won our first national. That's so crazy. When, when we had you on as an amateur, Peoria was one of the tracks you were looking forward to, but did you have any, anything in mind that you could possibly win your first race there? Um, I always was, confident to the people in my circle that I could win and I was messing around saying that we were going to win it but I mean I believed in my heart that it was one that we could do really good at and one that we would do really good at just because it's a not only is it a TT but it's just a track I've always liked and always watched and rode a couple times so I mean I was confident my dad was confident our team was was confident we were confident in the bike and it just all played out well Absolutely. The way you did it, though, was so impressive. You know, like you said, you're fourth or fifth. I believe you're fifth past a couple of fast guys, you know, like Jesse Janish and Ryan Sipes. And, and then you got in front of them and kind of walked away from everybody. So what you did was very impressive. Yeah, thank you. I honestly didn't think I'd pull out any gap at all. It, like, I thought it was going to be a race till the end, but somehow I was able to pull it out a little bit. Right on. So what was going through your mind on that victory lap? You had your dad there, and then you stopped and picked up your, your former team manager, your sister, Reese. So what, what was going through your mind on that victory lap? Um, it was just trying to process everything that happened. It really didn't set in until I stepped up on the podium, and they said I, they called our names out and said I won. The victory lap, I was just kind of in shock when I went over the jump. There was people screaming, and 
coming out of turn four, we had a big group of people, about 20 people that were standing by the fence and they were all going nuts, standing about to jump over it. And just, I mean, I came off the track and when I picked up my dad, my dad and Johnny Lewis were both crying. My mom was crying. I started crying. It was just, it was a good day. Absolutely. So was it extra special to win in the state of Illinois since that's where you were born and raised? Um, it was really special, not only because I was born and raised in Illinois and live a couple hours from there, but because I had so many friends and family there watching. And that was really one of the only races they could go to besides Springfield. So to do it in front of all my friends and family who came to watch and all the people I grew up with and people who have watched me grow up racing, it was it was awesome. We're down to the final four races for the AFT singles. The next one's actually in Illinois also, and it's a track that you always do good at, the Springfield Short Track. So are you excited about the Springfield Short Track? Are you nervous? Are you going to win that one too? What's going through your head? Um, coming off a win, I think everybody's always confident that they're going to do good at the next one. But I'm just – I like Springfield. I love the dirt, love the people around there, and we're just going in looking for a good result. Right on. So four races left. Springfield, Williams Grove, Minnesota, New Jersey. Um, can you win more than just the Illinois race? I think we will be able to do fairly good at the last four. I mean, we're running up front at Sacramento before the bike broke. So, of course, I think we got a chance of winning all four. It's just if we can put the pieces together. You uh, road racing this weekend coming up and then all dirt track from here on out? Yep. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for the time. Congratulations on your first national win. It's always good catching up with you. All right. Thanks, Scotty. Hey, happy birthday, too. I forgot to call in. I got all busy, but I was like, I figure I'll do it on here. That's all good. Thanks, Dallas. We'll see you at Springfield. Yeah. See ya. What about Sipes, man? Your pick. What happened? I, I think the track ended up being more of a flat track race than what he was used to. He's not, you know, he's not a flat tracker. He still rides all the other stuff. He's a new flat tracker, so I'm not saying he's not a flat tracker, but that's a very, very long front straightaway. Maybe he wasn't used to that. Then you have to really slide into the corners. As a flat tracker, you can dive in deeper uh, into turn number one. Uh, it was probably more of a flat track race than, say, Arizona, say, uh, the Buffalo chip, where he felt more comfortable. So he just uh, didn't have the speed all day. He ended up seventh place, which is still really good. The surprise to me was Jesse Janish, who was really flying earlier on in the day. He settled for third place. He got on the podium, but it was right there at the very end. And I think I thought he would have been up there, you know, giving Dallas a run for his money. Yeah, I don't know what happened there in the main. Um, another good day but, uh, for, for Bromley, consistent day for Bromley. He ties Dalton Gauthier in points. Uh, so that's going to be a fun fun battle to watch as we get to these last four races here in the 2018-19 season. Uh, that's going to be down to the wire, I got a feeling. I mean, because Bromley's consistent. Gauthier is always going to be running up front. I'm interested to see what Dallas Daniels does for the rest of the year. Yeah, with only five starts, he's working his way up the point standings, and, and he could be a factor, especially at the Springfield Short Track. That's where he cut his teeth. He grew up racing there. And, you know, these other guys have raced there too, but Dallas would be riding the momentum train coming off the win from Peoria. He's from Illinois, so we'll have to see how that unfolds. Uh, the other one thing, one more thing I want to talk about in the singles class, we had one nasty get off there in practice. It was Dawson Schieffer. I went and talked to him afterwards because Graham was worried about him. So I had to go check on Dawson for Graham. He uh, broke his radius and his ulna. Uh, one of them was shattered pretty good, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to have to have surgery, and that's that's your wrist bones for yeah. people that don't know. That's a bummer, man. He's um, just had a, a tough 2019. You know, he, he crashed at Texas, had to have surgery, and and I crashed again. So that's probably going to be that's probably going to be the season for him. 
That's a bummer. Um, but wish him the best. Speedy recovery. Shall we toss some twins? Because that racing was just as good, if not better. Those Bauman brothers going at it, that entire race was epic. Yeah, Breyer ended up leading 21 laps. Bronson led four, and they weren't all consecutive. So Bronson led the first one. Breyer led for four. Bronson led for three. And it seemed like Breyer just got more and more comfortable and just started pulling away. He ends up winning by 2.9 seconds, but at one point he was ahead by five seconds. So there at the end when some lappers get in the way and stuff like that, uh, it, it, it slows you down a little bit. They actually lapped all the way up to eighth place, so there's only eight bikes on the lead lap. That's crazy. I mean, the most impressive to me on this run was Pearson. I mean, he always runs strong at Peoria, uh, being, you know, his one of his, his home state. But the way he charged to that finish and, you know, if, if the flagger, what happened with that whole thing? Like, how did that start? I didn't, I didn't even see. From my point of view, he worked his way up to a podium finish, and he passed people to get there. But coming off that last corner, there was a little bit of a dirt bank on the outside of that last corner. It looked like he slid and hit that with his back tire. It pulled the front wheel when that happened. His left foot came off the foot peg when that happened. All this was going on. Mies was right there. They kind of, uh, everybody started fanning out because they're grabbing gears. And, you know, that's a long straightaway to race that finish line. So JD swung way to the left around the flagman. Bugs end up right in the middle. And uh, Mies was on the closest to the fence side. It was just wild. You know, the good thing is nobody hit the flagman. And, you know, they all still finished. But, yeah, Robbie. Almost had a podium finish. J.D. Beach ended up getting that last spot on the, on the box, and Pearson was fourth, Meese was fifth. Second TT in a row that J.D. has taken that last turn and then squeaked out you know, a position there at the end. It's pretty impressive. Uh, and what I think is going to be important, too, is Bauman finishes first and Meese finishes so far back. There's there's some decent points there that that, uh, that Bauman got for this round, and you know Meese, Meese has got to be pretty disappointed in that. Absolutely. I mean, the, the points lead right now, Briar has 243 points. Jared Meese has 205. So it's pretty much going to be between those two guys. Yep. But then you got Bronson with 183, Jeffrey Carver 155, Vandekoy is in fifth with 146. So uh, it's getting a little bit spread out now. There's still five rounds to go. Springfield's next weekend. It's a double header for the, for the AFT Twins class. So, I mean, I'm not giving anybody the championship yet, but I'm pretty sure it's down to the final two guys. It's between Briar and Jared. Just like that singles race, man, it's going to come down to those two, and it's going to be fun to watch them go all the way down, hopefully, to that last round in New Jersey. And Vandekoy was up there again. I mean, he was up Dude. there trying to, to, to finish near the front. He uh, faded right near near the end of that one, ended up with sixth place, but Vandekoy is giving that factor Harley-Davidson all it's got. Dare I say that Harley-Davidson is gaining momentum in the sport again? What? I would have to agree. Love it. Um, so with those two talked about anything else from Peoria, did you get you a PMC burger? Well, I had four. I think I told everybody on the microphone at one point I had three and then somebody brought me another one. So of course I had to eat it. Uh, so I had four PMC burgers. So if you go to Peoria, go to Thunder Valley, which you all need to do, put that on your checklist, uh, your bucket list, whatever you got, and definitely have to have a PMC burger. Yeah. I mean, this year to me seems super special. I don't know if it was cause you know, every year that I'd seen Peoria or been to Peoria, it was kind of not the same show with King Henry, you know, winning, uh, it just seemed a little different this year. Super cool. Uh, takeaways from, from Peoria. Did you get to talk to Wiles at all? I did talk to Wiles in opening ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Uh, they gave Henry a belt buckle with 14 diamonds in there, one for each of his wins, consecutive wins. Wow. Um, I think that was pretty cool. They honored him as the king of Peoria. Chris Carr is always going to be the prince of Peoria, but uh, King Henry had to set this one out. 
So another dude who's actually won recently that I wanted to talk to a couple weeks ago, but it's just been super busy there in the flat track world with these back-to-back races, was Ryan Varnes from Rapid City. You want to give him a call real quick? Let's catch up with that third-generation racer, Revan Ryan Varnes. Hello. Revan Ryan Varnes, what are you doing? Sitting outside here, getting ready to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Hanging out. So, uh, has it soaked in that you've won a national on the uh, American Flat Track Series? I think so. Uh, I, I still think about it every day. It's kind of reminisce on it a little bit. I don't know. It's still pretty fresh in my mind. Uh, still kind of had like that high from it. Even after we broke at Sacramento, I wasn't too mad about it. <laughs> I was still pretty happy that we came out and uh, got a win on that trip. So, I think that I'm still pretty happy about it. Heck yeah. So tell me about the production twins class. Is it, uh, you know, what did you think about before the season started and what do you think about it now? Kind of the thought process behind it was to go out and try to run up front um, and race against other riders who'd be on twins that are pretty equal to what I'm riding now instead of uh, running in the uh, premier class against like factory Harley, factory Indian and race purpose engines. I pretty, pretty much figured uh, if we dropped to the production twins class, it'd be you know, kind of like the the old day where everything was pretty equal in a way. So um, that's kind of why I moved to production twins and how I thought about it at the beginning of the year. And um, I think it's panned out pretty good uh, right now. Um, Harley's starting to get back into the mix of it up front too. Um, so that's cool to see that they have a bike out front as, as well as the Yamaha and Kawasaki's are um, kind of running up front since they've been developed over the past few years. But uh, I think it's just pretty good competitive racing now um, as we're about halfway through the season. Uh, all the riders are, you know, starting to get back into it, uh, getting a groove, starting to figure things out and stuff like that. So it's been a lot of battles up front and good racing. Absolutely. So you're, you're second in the point standings, 27 points behind Corey Texer, the fellow Pennsylvania rider. What are you looking forward to at Springfield? What What's your goal at Springfield? The goal whenever I show up to a race is, is just to get, go out and do my best and just try to win really. Um, I think if you, you know, show up to a race and you don't have the mindset in your head that you need to win or to go out and win, um, there's really no point in showing up because then you're just kind of going out and riding around. So uh, me and my team, you know, we're kind of we're pretty hungry after that last event ending up with a DNF, but knowing that we could go out and, and run up front still, even on a mile with that new motor. So uh, we actually got a second one in the making. So I'll have, uh, you know, like two of the same uh, motors. One that we're thinking it's going to be a little bit stronger out for Springfield for that double header. So that would be good to um, just have two similar bikes out there. But I'm uh, just hoping to go out and do the best I can and, you know, hopefully close up the, the points gap a little bit um, after that weekend. Who's going to be the hardest to beat at Springfield? I don't know. There's a lot of guys coming up right now. Like I said, they're they're getting that rolling momentum halfway through the season. I think the the Harleys are definitely going to be competitive with Gautier and Rispoli on it, especially after uh, Gautier's win in Sacramento. Uh, Corey always liked the track as well, Springfield. I know it's one of its his favorite tracks to go at, so he'll be pretty competitive. J.R. Addison starting to get back up into the mix too, uh, running with him in my semi at Sacramento. And um, even guys like Ben Lowe, um, Colby Carlisle, and um, one of uh, my buddies, uh, Cody Johncox, actually, 
they're starting to figure out their Yamaha pretty well now. I know talking to Mike Luzak, who built the motor, they got a pretty strong horse under him now. So if he gets off the line, I think you could, uh, you could see uh, a front group of up to like eight or nine people, I think, battling for that win both days. So it'll be pretty interesting um, to see how it pans out. Right on. Well, I just wanted to catch up with you after your first win. I want to give a shout out to anyone right now. Say thanks to anyone real quick for that 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 big W. Uh yeah. I just can't thank uh, all my sponsors enough, and for you guys for having me on the the podcast today. I think uh, my team Barnes Racing, uh, Don's Kawasaki, Roy Built, Weisco, KN, Myers Trucking, Risbon Excavating, Ink Smacko Tools, Myers Transport Services. Arch Radiators, Motion Pro, McGrain Racing. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people that I'm, I know I'm forgetting, but uh, those are mostly the main people out front. Dick Ford, uh, Roush Fuel and Oil that are, you know, helping us out the most. So can't thank all those guys enough for uh, supporting me continuously throughout the years and uh, keeping my dream alive. So Right, right on. Well, thanks, Ryan, for coming on. We're going to have a whole episode with you here in the future. Keep the momentum going. you got five rounds left and uh, try to win that championship. Cool, man. I appreciate it, Scotty. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys. Super cool to hear two different perspectives, um, you know, two different storylines there, of two different riders getting their first national win, uh, and hopefully it won't be the last. Uh, I, I got a feeling that in the case of Dallas Daniels, he's going to have many more, and Ryan Varnes might have another one here in the Productions Twins before the end of 2019. Absolutely. Speaking of Production Twins, I think that ties nicely to our guests this week um the production twins has been a cool that we we say it week in and week out there's you know storyline after storyline in this production twins class that a lot of people probably might not know about i think our guest this week is a perfect example of probably one of the coolest storylines that i didn't really even know much about so I'm, I'm stoked to hear and i'm stoked for everybody else to hear this week's episode absolutely so i've known the rocket rispoli for a long time i mean since he was a young kid coming up through the ranks he actually raced against some of the best of the best right now. He raced against Carver. He raced against the Bullet Brad Baker, J.D. Beach. And then he left and went road racing. So I'd love to find out some more information about him. Let's give him a call. Hello? Rocket! Y- Yo. Are, are, are you napping? What are you doing, man? What are we talking about? Dude, answer the phone. I'm calling you to talk to you on Off the Groove. <laughs> What's going on? I'm here. <laughs> what are you up to, man? I haven't seen you for a few days. You doing all right? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, made the huge trek back from Peoria, and we just kind of blitzed it that night. So yeah, yeah. Took, a, took a couple days off, to be honest. Right on. So couple days off, and then you start training again and start getting ready uh, off weekend coming up this weekend, then you start getting ready for Springfield? Yeah, I mean, that last little swing for us, because we had to do a lot of driving, and I was in moving vehicles and flying and all that. It was a little bit crazy. Um, You know, the situation I've got myself into doesn't kind of – I don't get to just fly in and out of the races. I've got to kind of hitch rides, and, you know, I've got all my friends kind of helping me out. So it's been a bit crazy. So, yeah, I'm enjoying the off weekend. That's now not being an off weekend, but you know, right. this is, this is the life we live, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So true privateer trying to catch a ride here and there and trying to get the bikes to the track and all that fun stuff. But, uh, your, your new face for some of the people that are just, you know, catching on to flat track, but you're no stranger to flat track. Do you remember how old you were when you started racing? Yeah. Six years old, man. Jolly Roger was the first race on a 
uh, JR50. I went backwards around the track. I got dead last. That's all right. What, <laughs> what were you doing going backwards? You decided to turn right? I had no idea. I had no idea. I went up the exit ramp. I was a little kid and nobody told me what to do. So I just kind of rolled riding around and they're like directing me and whatnot. I got dead last. But I remember the the craziest thing, Scotty, is the first, that first race, I didn't get a trophy in. My, one of my best friend's dad gave me a trophy so I could be like everybody else. And that right was on. my first experience in flashback. That's awesome. And then you, you raced flat track, you know, throughout your, your younger years for Cool Skunk. I, I just remember seeing Cool Skunk all over everything. And then you won a whole bunch of amateur titles. Do you have one amateur race that really sticks out to you? I think it was, I don't know if it was one amateur race, but my last year as an amateur was pretty good. You know, we won a lot. I went against Jeffrey Carver and all those boys for the Horizon Award and came a little bit short to Jeffrey. But um, that year we started in Daytona and I sweeped it. And, you know, when I was riding all the last year of riding all my framers was probably the coolest part. You know, my 250 framer, 450 framer, we had a Rotax. Like, those were, like, kind of the really, really cool things as an amateur to be able to do that a lot of kids now won't get because they're prepping so much for AFT and riding DTX bikes and whatnot. But um, I think that's that definitely has to be the coolest part of being an amateur was being able to ride all those manufacturers and different bikes and framers and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that that makes you more versatile. Don't you think? I mean, that way you could just hop on different bikes and it makes you better and it's easier to adapt. Well, definitely when you go step up to a twin, um, you know, like riding a 450 framer gets you a little bit of, a little bit of experience of Rotax. Um, you know, just that feeling with a twin kind of feels more natural stepping onto it because they're kind of, a little bit better, you know, turning a little bit lighter that you can kind of get them sideways more like, you know, a DTX bike right now, or, uh, you know, production based bikes or, you know, you kind of have to ride them pretty, you know, in, in the wheelhouse, you know what I mean? They, you can't really do a lot of crazy things on one of those production bikes now. Okay. I gotcha. So you turned pro in 2008 and do you remember where your first national was and, and, um, how'd you do in your first pro race? Huh? I don't remember my first national. I remember I, I was, uh, I think I was basic twins. I don't know. If, I forget which one it was. I don't really right. know, Scotty, to okay. be honest. All right. Um, I don't know if it was after or before, but it, I rode for Lloyd brothers on the basic twins at some point, And that was, um, I don't know if that was after Daytona in 2009, but yeah, I know the first year was a bit of a, kind of a scramble because it was a mix of pro singles and you know there's kind of a, a jumble of classes because they still had experts running 450s all the time so you're kind of just making your way into it you know it was kind of the mx light series right on and like you've run so many races throughout your career it's hard to keep everything in intact in up there but you also have won the daytona short track and if i'm not mistaken it was the last time we ever raced at municipal stadium yeah it was, so i won the last pro singles race with brad baker austin greenland uh beach was there uh that was the last race we ran at the municipal stadium um for pro singles and i won the last one on a suzuki four-speed bike i mean that was pretty crazy wow. i remember yeah it was that was the first time we got the taste under the lights and the whole nine and um that was that's probably one of the coolest experiences for me is to be at to be able to win at daytona municipal stadium because that's where everybody always started 
And, you know, for us not to really go back there was such a unique track. I mean, you know, the racing was intense. Yeah. The runs were huge. It was crazy. Yeah, and there's fans on both sides. You know, it seemed like that whole football field was packed on the, the home side and the visitor side, and everybody just come out to watch some flat track. So let's talk about you walked away from flat track and did some road racing. I mean, we could talk for a long time about your amateur days and your early pro days, but in road racing in 2011, you won the Super Sport East Championship and the overall AMA Young Gun Award. And then 2012, you backed it up. You won the West, making you the only rider to win it back-to-back the East and the West. So why'd you step away from flat track and go road racing? Dude, always to kind of go in like the Nikki Hayden kind of way of racing dirt tracks, step up. And the, at the time, all the money was in road racing. Um, unfortunately, we probably were the worst, you know, I would say one of the worst timing of motorcycle racers to be able to go pro and go road racing at a time is like literally right before the crash happened in the market. But, you know, the, the whole game plan was to hone your skills, um, learn your craft and then go road racing, take those skills and go road racing, you know, make the money, get the rides and be a professional motorcycle racer. That's always dating back to, you know, um, Schwantz, you know what I mean? all those boys just that's kind of what you know what they did so you know Hayden was kind of the the the, the last for us to kind of do it um and then yeah so it was do that raced in super sport I won like you said the east and west um because of that time they wanted to keep the cost low but I was able to win both national titles and that gave me enough to kind of solidify the Michael Jordan ride for 2013 Dude, that's awesome. You also hold two salt flat land speed records out at the AMA Bonneville Salt Flats in the 650 class and the 750 twin class. Do those records still hold up? I think so, dude. I haven't even looked, but I think so. Like, we, we smashed the records. I was on a, a prototype bike that was stretched way out like a busa like i mean double the length i was la- i had to lay down on it i had to shift with my hand one of those things that was a crazy experience but that was the time frame scotty i was doing everything i was racing anything i could touch riding anything i could ride any manufacturer just jumping on bike to bike to bike i, I remember i was supermotoing at the time as well road racing doing that flat track it just we were we were just everywhere and i was very fortunate to be able to ride so many disciplines at uh, a very young age um i think that's what's helped me kind of transition come back here absolutely it's, it's interesting that you've done so much and you know some people don't really realize who you are because in 2014 you went and raced overseas so how did the the whole british superbike deal come together and when did you decide you want to make that your next step in your career well, I remember I always had this little poster of Ben Spees hanging on my wall of, uh, you know, because one, Nikki Hayden went up to MotoGP, and I knew that kind of wasn't going to be the path for me because, one, I wasn't, you know, Nikki Hayden. Two, I had a little bit more of a kind of a production way up. So I thought Ben Spees was going to be like kind of the way I was going to go, was going to go AMA Superbike and then be able to go to World Superbike. And then if I was good enough there, I could make it to MotoGP. And, okay. you know, you kind of have realistic, realistic goals. I always, my, my biggest goal was to race on an international level. That was my biggest goal. It wasn't like, I want to be MotoGP, I want to do this. It was just, I want to race international. I want to be one of those guys that makes it over there, live in Europe. Like, I've always wanted to travel. My dad traveled when he was working 
and whatnot. And all I remember is the stories of him in all these different places. And that's what I wanted to do. So I kind of thought, all right, maybe I'll do go this route. When I left AMA was because I kind of got forced out of a ride again, because the Jordan deal uh, collapsed, you know, the they didn't get national right. guard funding. Yep. So I didn't get to stay. So I went over to long story short, I went to Le Mans with Jason Pridmore my rider coach at the time to do the Le Mans 24 hour. And I was fourth rider just to go out of the U S see Europe. We went and saw Paris, all this and, and that anyways, I showed enough where I was pretty fast. Keith Flint was there because one of our teammates was working with Keith Flint. He saw me, uh, we, we spoke, this this is how insane the story is. We saw me, (laughs) we spoke and like literally that then we were sitting on a standing next to the chain link bank watching fence watching the guys go around and he's like hey i'm setting up a super sport team would you be interested in riding for me and i was like yeah you know yeah i think that would wow. be really cool and he goes well we'd like to put you on a wild card and you know for the end of the year come out and hang out at my house for a week and let's you know let's just talk and hang out and i was like that's pretty cool and dude at the time i didn't know who keith flint was like I listened to his music on the prodigy, but I didn't know who it was. I was like, who is this guy? And the craziest thing is I'm on my flight home and breathe or whatever comes on with, you know, the crab album. And I'm like prodigy. And I remember texting JP and I'm like, dude, is this the same dude? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, Holy crap. I can't believe I just didn't even know what I was doing. And I'm going back to this guy's house and we're going to go and try to put together something. And that's kind of how it started. And he gave me two, years in british super sport which you know over there it's savage like nobody would give you two years over there and he was for some reason we had a good connection and me and him really connected a lot and he's without his kind of backing one to race and his popularity to kind of bring my popularity up in the uk it was like i was fully accepted from day one because keith flint backed me so i owe him a lot for that hell yeah that's awesome, man. I didn't know the backstory on that. So while you were over there overseas, did you did you keep up with American Flat Track at all? A little bit, a little bit. I'll tell you right now, the first two years I was buried, and I didn't didn't the first two years I was over there. In two thousand, uh, well, I went over there in fourteen, fifteen, two thousand sixteen. I started having a glimpse back and started watching okay. things and whatnot and. Um, I think that's when I don't know if Fans Choice is playing earlier than them, but that's when I was able to kind of get into the stream and start watching because um, you know I could get up in the morning and watch it. You know, most of the time it was late, right. but I could kind of get up and and watch it. So um, yeah, so I started watching it in like 2016, and we I have had some words with because a lot of the guys working in AFT I know. Well, you know what I mean? Going yep. back dating. So I was able to kind of keep a thumb on it. And I won my championships when Gene was in AMA and, you know, stuff like that. So I was able to kind of keep my finger in the pulse a little bit. And obviously with myself helping Wellesley, uh that year, him, I was very involved, uh, just not very involved uh, hugely, but just very involved in making sure that he was, you know, when you wanted to win you know we wanted to make sure he won as well because we've helped ryan his whole career um and that was one of the ways i was able to stay very very close to the flat track gotcha so, so did you ride it did you ride any flat track over there i know we've had some people on from overseas that talk about the flat track scene over there did you get to ride any flat tracks while you were over the you know on the other side of the ocean 
crazy thing is, yeah, they did this kind of transatlantic thing. It was the first time I rode dirt track. Um, I don't know if it was 17. I think it was 2017 and or 2016 was as the first time. It was that MCN thing, and they had like this little track, and that was the first time it, Colin Edwards came over, and they picked like five U.S. guys, and I was already over there. So yeah, we went over there, and I ended up getting second, and I'm like, dude, I missed this. I missed this. And then the next year, I went in 2017, I rode Brindley's bike. Um, right. I rode all, that's when the first time I saw Oliver was at okay. the first race I was against him on Kawasaki. He was on Kawasaki, and I was like, dude, this kid's fast. Mm-hmm. And I rode his, they let me ride his Kawasaki the next year, and I ended up winning. And that was the, realistically the only two times I rode dirt track when I was over there. Wow. But that yeah. kind of spurred, it kind of spurred a bit of a interest back in, like, I missed this, you know, this is awesome. I had a lot of fun. And then um, that's when I when I came back here. Uh, obviously, the last year over there, I, I did two wild cards. So it was last year in 18 or whatever is when, um, you know, I rode for Everquip. I did the wild card with Richie Morris and was really quick off the bat. And that's kind of when I was like, all right, maybe I need to start thinking a little bit. I could see the shift in flat track really growing. I could see everybody starting to do it. I went to Rossi's Ranch that same year, and I was like, this thing's really starting to pop. So our goal, you know, my goal was to come back not this year was to kind of come back next year was to do wow. one more year in super sport. Yeah. I want my ultimate goal was to do one more year in super sport and go against Jack Kennedy, who was the the defending champ this year. He was one of the fastest super sports riders I've ever saw. And I wanted to go and race him like head up heads up. Like when I was quit, like, you know, I had a year under my belt. He did. And I just wanted to go race him. He's leading the championship now. And unfortunately that didn't quite happen. And, you know, got put into a pickle but it just brought dirt track back up for you know uh you know a viable option so it's uh it's been hectic man like the beginning of this year was hectic i know you know but oh yeah this the beginning of this year was intense trying to you know i was kind of on a whim on the last couple road race rides and those didn't work out and the guy I do a lot of the movie stuff with Kieran Clark was like, listen, I'm building you a bike for Daytona. And that's just it. Three weeks beforehand, I called my buddy Corey Alexander, who I was teammates with at Jordan was like, Hey dude, I need to get a bike. Can you loan it to me for half a year and we'll pay it off at the end of the year. And he's like hundred percent. And then just everybody got on board and we went and we raced Daytona. I mean, that was how this whole thing started. It was like, just my buddies just backing me knowing that I still had something left and you know just kind of throwing all my credibility and reputation on the line like hey I think we can still make a shot at this you know what do you think and just all yeah all my friends put together bought me like that $1,500 van that you know my buddy RJ (laughs) did that and then dude like it was crazy and i was just like b rob actually put the flooring in my van because and helped me build the wall because i didn't know how so yeah pulling all those friends back it's it's been an interesting uh it's been humbling for sure that that is so crazy what a what a great story to make your way back to flat track where you started you like you said you've done everything you race supermoto road race you've done you know just about everything on two wheels so are you happy with what's going on so far in 2019 for sure, man. I mean, it was a struggle in the beginning, but I we ended up getting a you know kind of things locked in enough with the singles to make a big enough impression at uh, Texas, and um, 
I'm sitting in a hotel at Texas, and I get a uh, messenger from Facebook thing through from Terry Reimer. Hey, can you call me in the morning? I was like, yeah, sure. Call him in the morning. He's like, hey, man. That was right after we had the S-Lick thing going. And I'll, he's like, mm-hmm. you know, what are you doing? What's going on? You know, would you be interested in riding this XG? And I'm like, at the beginning, you know, I, was, I wasn't like saying no at all because I was like, yeah, for sure. Because I didn't have anything. I didn't know what the potential of the bike was because I saw them struggling a little bit on the factory bikes. But I'm like, who knows, man? Maybe this will be just what I need to kind of get back in and obviously run a factory effort and stuff like that. And he knew me from Daytona. And uh, when I pitched him on my small gas card, that he turned down and he said, he called me and he goes, Hey, how about that small gas card? And I was like, yeah, I'll take it, man. So that's kind of how it all started. And then it's crazy. Like Gene over who runs the program over at Vance and Hines. And, you know, we don't know, didn't know each other, but we knew all the same people from road racing. Cause he's an old ex road race guy. And um, obviously, you know, Terry knows a lot of people in the industry and Vance and, you know, Reimer is kind of just the mayor of, the dealerships and it just it just worked and i'm pretty stoked with after paris you know we kind of started dead last and by the end of the night we were like second fastest on track and i knew i was like going to the red mile i was like guys we can we can do we can get on the podium i was like and then we were all toted to kind of really do that there Uh, we had a small little technical issue but you know we were on pace to be on the podium there and setting fast times and i was able to go as fast as the factory guys um, on their bikes so they really kind of spurred some stuff there and I like the cool thing is is all that experience uh, me riding all those different bikes and all these crazy things and in Europe learning electronics and whatnot has paid so much dividend for this bike to be able to have the good feel the good feedback have you know kind of a road racey um, technical background be able to bring it into dirt track because like I said in my other interview it's like dirt tracks on an evolution turn right now where you're going to have to, you know, it's going to expose a lot of people that don't really understand, you know, the mechanics of the bikes. I mean, obviously Indians doing a phenomenal job, but there's going to be an evolution thing. And they were the one who's kind of forced the hand for everybody else, you know, Yamaha's Cowies and, you know, Harley, if not, you know, have to step up and it's really caught, you know, caused a big ripple effect to where now, you know, um, Howerton and Smith are doing tons of development work. Esteson on Yamaha, you know, those guys are doing tons of development work. Us at Harley are doing tons of development work trying to catch. But what it's doing is just raising the entire field. But um, it's been interesting, man. It's been really, really cool to kind of come back and finally at Peoria and at uh, a couple of the other races be able to do some stuff on the singles, which I've been lacking all year. So I just feel like I'm going strength to strength to strength. And, um, that's, you know, a testament to one, you know, I guess the circle, small circle around me has been really good keeping me, you know, pumped up. Cause it, you know, you could easily be fall into a nice little trap with a cloud over your head. Like you ain't going to make it anymore, but we've been able to kind of dig out of this and it's been, it's been a good journey so far. So. Um, I'm very happy with 2019 the way it's going. Right on. So so far in the in the production twins class, you've got two podiums, you've got three top fives so far. Uh, I want to talk about the singles just a little bit because you've rode three different brands of motorcycles, and it looked like you kind of found you found a comfortable spot there at the Peoria TT. You're riding the the the, the Vance and Hines bike, and 
and uh, that's a Honda. And man, you were flying, and you just came up just barely missing the podium. So, is that the ride for the rest of the year? Um, I'm not sure. You know, just be, so it's just crazy, Scotty. Like that thing was getting dynoed and pretty much built the day before, and we dynoed it the day they left. I mean, that's how tight that program wow. is. When I rode the Yamaha at Buffalo Chip that was built the day I left to go to Indy to then ride with Corey. I mean, these programs have been like barely getting done. Um, and like at the Buffalo chip, just, you know, one race back, um, I never rode that Yamaha. We, I, I bought, uh, RJ bought, uh, Jesse Janice's suspension. Um, we put a Woody Kyle engine then in, in there and it was like, I just jumped on it and I had, well, he just, you know, just give me a little love, you know, just give me a little, a little bounce and was like, Hey, it feels pretty good. I went out there and didn't change a click. We went wow. to Peoria, you know, the Vance and Hines race shop developed that whole bike. We put it together in, uh, Olin's, my camera's box. gave us a package, showed up the day before we left. We bolted it in and Scotty, we didn't touch anything. We did a click here and click there. And we changed one tooth down and that bike wow. was a ripper. I mean, awesome. so it's just, it's, it was crazy um to be able to do that and i was able to give a, a really good feedback for them because you know uh that's their version one of their singles packages that they're going to be able to provide to uh, aft singles programs you know um a lot of the great 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 motor builders and engine tuners are you know getting a little old now and um you know i think vance and hines sees that and you know are putting a little bit back and able to you know kind of one-stop shop you know you've got an exhaust you've got a, a tuning package and you've got an engine package and they wanted to just make sure that they were in the ball game instead of just having dyno numbers you know because you know as well as i do you can have the best thing on the dyno and it perform like crap on the track so that was a huge win for them to see that thing be fast and stable and right out of the bat up at the front so that's kind of where that program came from. And yeah, if they, if they want me to ride the Vance and Hines single for the, you know, for the remainder, we'll look at it, but we, everybody realizes the Harley program is first and make sure we get the development out of that and make sure that those Harleys are at the front because at the end of the day, Harley Davidson um, needs to be in the sport and needs to have some good results. So that's, that's, the, that's priority, num priority number one. That's awesome. So we're down to just the final few races. We got a couple of Springfield miles. We've got a, a half mile in Pennsylvania. We've got Minnesota and New Jersey. Which which track or which race are you most looking forward to to wrap up the season? Dude, I'm excited for the two Springfields. Um, you know, the Harley is phenomenal. We know the chassis is great. I mean, Dalton did a phenomenal job at SAC. Um, shame we couldn't go one-two there, but it happens. Um, but it's a testament to show like how good that bike really is. Um, and I think we're going to do some serious damage at Springfield, you know, um, I think where we can roll, uh, is where we can kind of do really well. I think that's really a huge race for me and for Harley, because that's where we think we can do really well. But I also think we go, I've never been to Williams Grove or Minnesota, um, or Meadowlands. So those are all new tracks for me. 
Um, but I hear Meadowlands is phenomenal because the venue and everything. And I hear it's mm-hmm. so big that you can just kind of hold the thing wide open, but there's some grip. So I'm really looking forward to that race and being at um, that, that facility. You know, I love to see that we go to these facilities. One, they're packed full of fans. Reminds me of BSB in a way. And two, uh, the facilities are, you know, kind of stepping up their game. I mean, these facilities we're going to, they're unique and they've got, you know, most of them have uh, nice boxes, nice uh, amenities. Um, You know, they're bringing out really cool food trucks and whatnot. And really just kind of that whole, uh, you know, festival vibe is really kind of, I think, paramount to bringing fans out and keeping happy and everybody, you know, really pumped. It's been cool uh, to see the fans really be so excited. And, you know, the coolest thing as well is to be able to put, you know, Harley on the podium and to see how many people still love Harley. You know, um, I thought it was kind of a little bit biased when I first came into it. But to see still some of the all the old time people are like, you know, it's really cool to see Harley back on the podium. It's been a minute, blah, 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 blah. All that is so cool to me. Um, and I think. Yeah, I think probably Springfield and then Meadowlands are probably my two favorite, but I haven't been to the last three. Right on. So I know you as number 43, but back in the day when you were first, you know, turning pro, you were 71B. Do you remember that uh, big number plate? And do you still have that thing that somebody, you know, some announcer gave you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, the, the sign? Yeah. 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 Yeah, dude. I still got that. Are you kidding me? Uh, I've got it at the moment. It's a, it's, I've got it in the storage bin right now in Florida because I, I'm like, when I left for Europe, I got rid of everything. So my car, everything. And so I've been living at my buddy's house and I've got a room I rent out of here. Well, not really rent, just my landlord gives me free rent. Um, and <laughs> so, uh, anyways, everything had to go into a storage bin. So I've got, I actually still have a storage bin in the UK, which is pretty bad. So I've got a, I'm in a pretty, pretty difficult spot right now. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Well, I'll just make sure you still oh, have yeah. that thing. But uh, I'm sitting here looking at my uh, X Games number 43 Rosoli plate that you gave me, and I certainly appreciate that. Well, dude, if I wasn't, I, you know, I hate to call this out, but if it wasn't for Duffy, man, I'd be number 43 this year. Duffy okay. holds the rights to that, to that thing, and he wasn't really, he wasn't really excited on parting with it. So. Um, you know, hopefully if we can move up super twins, I know the 43 is available and that's what we're going to gun for. So dude, that'd be cool. That would be so cool. Mm-hmm. That's well, what we're trying, dude. We've got to bring it back. I didn't get a tattoo on my arm for a reason to change my number, you know? Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. I've got it on my back. So we got to, we got to keep repping 43. Well, we're already dude, here. Bring it back. Episode. Yeah, exactly. We're near the end of the episode. And, and since you're a 43, Graham, which is my grandma. I don't know if you listen to our podcast or not, but Graham's been following you from, you know, since the cool skunk days. She loves flat track. She's followed your career throughout all your disciplines. You found success in both, but what does the future hold for Rispoli? More dirt or more pavement? Uh, I think like I said it before. I mean, right now I'm doing really well. I'm really excited about the flat track, um, and especially where AFT is taking it. I think the future is bright here for the series. Um, I think, uh, you know, I found a bit of a niche where, you know, I can kind of really help the development side um, on Harley. Uh, Who knows if it's with Harley, but, uh, you know, we hope that, you know, we're doing a good enough job in showing that we can continue to be at the front and, 
Um, so for me, yeah, I want to race flat track unless I, unless, you know, Paul Bird or a factory team in BSB comes looking after me. I, I've been on enough bikes that aren't competitive to know that uh, it's not worth it this late in my career. And, you know, for me, I'm I'm really liking to see flat track grow. And I, I want to, I think I want to be here. So that's, I'm going to say dirt at the moment. Right on. That's good. She'll love that answer for sure. So we wrap things oh, up yeah. with rapid rapid fire questions. So tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you the questions. You ready? Oh, yeah. What's your favorite motorcycle you've ever ridden? Um, CR250 Framer. All right. Back in the day. All right. What's your favorite racetrack? Dirt, pavement, salt flats. It doesn't matter. What's your favorite track? Uh, I would say favorite track's got to be Aston TT and pavement at the moment all right so what's your favorite trophy that you that you've got that's your trophy that you've earned this is a tough one um i will say the black hills trophy at the last race lit up and that was insane it has to be between that and the miami uh uh big kahuna that i won i i won a surfboard hell yeah carbon fiber surfboard yeah that that was sweet yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a tough mix for me too. So, uh, what's your favorite thing to sling? Dude, hats. <laughs> All right, I saw you Rapid City at that the Harley shop, and you're out there slinging hats and and just having a good time. So I had to ask you that one. So, uh, oh, yeah. if you had your if you had your own show, which I think AFT should consider, what would it be called? Ripping with Respoli. All right. I love it. So, <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> so where'd your nickname come from? Who started calling you the Rocket? Dude, it was a thing for my dad. My dad started it. Um, it we had. I've got helmets, custom helmets from when I was uh, eight and ten years old, with a kind of a monkey hanging off a rocket, and you know, it was all a marketing play from day one. And I owe it to him because it's kind of paying dividend now. That's so cool. So, do you have anything special planned for when you win your first uh, national this year? Um, yeah, I think people just need to get ready because there could be, we could just be something on fire. I'll be that excited. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. I'd, I'll try to do a backflip or something. I, I have no idea. I'm like, right. just people need to get ready. <laughs> it's gonna be whatever happens. It's gonna be any moment, right? Well, I'm already way too excited on getting third place. So people are like, dude, you didn't even win. And I'm like, you don't even know. <laughs> You're on the podium, man. That's right. Exactly. Fired up. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your time. Before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah, man. I just want to thank all my friends, you know, RJ, my dad, Kieran, Corey, um, Jeremy, um, all of Terry Reimer and Black Hills Harley Davidson for stepping up and believing in me and giving me a shot. Vanson Hines, uh, Gene, um, all the crew over at Vanson Hines, uh, Terry Vance, those guys, you know, everybody who's really helped me put this program together. My buddy Steve, who let me live here. Um, you know, everybody just really just went to bat for me. You know, it's something a little emotional. Um, all my fans from the UK still watch, which is insane to me. Um, you know, and all the people here that didn't forget that I know how to ride. And I think it's pretty cool to see kind of a a storyline like this kind of, you know, I wouldn't say rags to riches or anything, but like, you know, I drove, I mean, I did that full West Coast swing with one motorcycle and a $1,500 van that probably shouldn't have made it. And we did it and 
I think that's a testament to show that if you want something bad enough, you can still do it. So all those people are, are the big, big people I need to thank because without those guys, I would probably be uh, slinging burgers at McDonald's. As long as you're slinging something, man. We appreciate the time. <laughs> good, good luck at the last five rounds. All right, buddy. All right. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I appreciate it. you guys doing a phenomenal job. Thanks, Rocket. We'll see you soon. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Dude, I, I didn't even know half that stuff about that guy. That was super cool. I didn't know a lot of that stuff either. I mean, I knew he went over to Europe, went road racing. I never knew he was on the salt flats until we started doing our research. But yeah. uh, he's done a little bit of everything on motorcycles. And I like his perspective, man. It's a, it's, it's, it is cool to hear, you know, somebody like him, somebody like Orion Sipes, who have done so much on two wheels. You know, different disciplines, different OEMs, different, you know, situations, different tracks. Uh, hear their perspective and what's really cool to me is that they've gone through all that but yet they're looking at flat track right now as the thing to be doing uh so that just speaks to you know the resurgence of the sport and the popularity of of what what they've built here in the past few years and he's so versatile i mean he's rode three different singles in the ft singles class and he's rode the, the harley in the production twins class so he's rode four different brands of motorcycles just this season alone so he's a very you know very unique rider I, I like the perspective. He's still doing it from the grassroots level. He's still Absolutely. driving a van to the races, trying yep. to get here and there uh, with the help of all of his friends. And, you know, everything looks like it's easy from the outside. As a former racer, getting to the races is sometimes the hardest part, you know? Yeah. And some, some people don't see what happens behind the scenes. And, again, that's one just one more reason why we're doing this is to – let these guys tell their story. Absolutely. And I think this is just the beginning, actually. You know, he's been in this, been racing all kinds of disciplines forever. But I think this is the beginning of another story for him. And I think it's, I think I could see him having a, a long career here in flat track if he continues to rise and, you know, the, the sport continue, continues to grow. I could see him being a staple for sure. Well, it sounds like that's definitely where his heart is. He, he wants to stay in dirt track. You know, a lot of the people would start out in dirt track and they would leave to go road racing because that's where the money was. Yeah. I think his options are still there. If there's a, a factory team for road racing comes along or something like that, where he's guaranteed to make some money. But right now, I think his heart and his mind and his passion right now is dirt track. Well, I definitely dig his story. I, and I'm a fan now after listening. And I think that, uh, the fan, the flat track fans in general, appreciate having him involved in the sport because it's not just what he does on the track himself racing. It's what he's doing for other racers too. And you know, when he's consulting and helping grow and build the sport, uh, you need more people like that involved to be successful. So it's all good. I, I think everybody should follow the Rocket James Rispoli on social media because he's awesome. He's really fun to, to listen to. Doesn't, he talks because he talks. He talks a little different because he's from up in New Hampshire. But yeah, doesn't everybody already follow that guy? He's got like the largest well, social media following in the paddock, right? Yeah, but mo a lot of those guys are from Europe, man. I mean, we that's need fair. some American backing this kid. No, that's good. Anyways, stuff. our flat. Our flat track fact is actually from Bert Sumner this week, and I reached out to him because I was struggling to come up with something unique. Okay. And it, it was brought up to my attention that if Briar Bauman wins one of the upcoming mile events, he'll be the 19th rider to complete the dirt track Grand Slam. He would also be the fifth rider that did it in one single season. Wow. Do you know what the flat track Grand Slam is? Isn't that getting like a mile... A TT, a half mile on a short track. Yep. And he could possibly do it in one season, but 
you know, he'd be the 19th rider to complete that in their career. That's pretty impressive, and he's going to do it, right? I don't know if he'll do it this season. He, he's he got every chance to. He's got two Springfield miles. He's got the Minnesota mile, which he was dominating last year until he ran out of gas. Out of gas and yeah. then the Meadowlands mile, which he was going good there too, but he ran out of tear off. So remember, it was, it was misting or sprinkling down the back straightaway, and he ran out of tear off. So he's got four shots to complete the Grand Slam. He'll do it in one season if he can do it in these next four races. But then if he doesn't, he still has the rest of his career to complete it. You know, So he can still do it. He's going to do it, and he's going to win the championship. He may do it. He may do both in one race. Are you, are you calling your shots, Carter? Mm, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. <laughs> Where did he run in New Jersey last year? He was up front until he ran out of tear offs. He couldn't see. He, yeah. he worked his way up to, like, second or third, ran out of tear offs, was trying to wipe it with his hand and just mm-hmm. made a blurry mess. Yeah. Nobody could see in New Jersey last year. Unless you're out front. Well, I think that's it, man. I got one more race this weekend, and then I'm free. No, you're not free. You're coming to Springfield. Yep, I'm going to go get this one last motocross out, and then I can do some flat tracking next weekend. Woo! Go fast, turn left. We got the short track, the mile racing. We got one more half mile left on the schedule. We're going to have to record super early next week. All right, we'll have to knock it out Monday or Tuesday because I'm going to be doing four days in a row at Springfield, Illinois. Hey, Carter. What? Smash that like button. Okay. Tell all your friends about Off the Groove. I will. All right. We appreciate all the feedback. Always. We appreciate, appreciate all the people that called in. Are you gonna slide that in there too? Oh yeah, well, yeah. I'll slide. I was gonna put it. I was that was gonna be the thing at the end after the music fades off, and there's always like a little thing at the end. Thanks to everybody who called in and wished me happy birthday. I certainly appreciate it. And uh, Carter, you keep it on four wheels. Everybody else keep it on two wheels, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next Friday. Peace. Bye. call and say happy birthday have a great day again happy birthday mr announcer guy happy birthday to the voice of flat track scotty dubler from mike lawless electric horseman happy birthday scotty boy from a fellow okie you old man you happy birthday hey scotty happy birthday from kansas hey scotty happy birthday man hope you have a good day enjoy it Happy birthday, Mr. D. I hope it was a wonderful, wonderful week.